Welcome to Whipple's Press Box Podcast, where we discuss the latest topics in the professional world of sports. Enjoy our exclusive interviews with athletes, coaches, insiders, and fans. And now, here's your host, Gary Whipple. This one really hurts for Packer Nation. This thing of the Packers' bitter disappointing loss to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in Sunday's NFC Championship game isn't going away anytime soon. Welcome, and thanks again for joining Rob Reichel and I for another Packers podcast. Greetings, Rob. Good morning, Gary. How are you? I am good. You know, as we're taping this, we're getting inundated with snow. So uh, after we're done, you want to come over and help me blow up my driveway? <laughs> yeah. That might take me about a day and a half to get there, Gary. But once I do, I'll, I'll have my snow boots and a shovel. So, yeah, we can, we can get after it. So, Rob, uh, where do we start when uh, dissecting this Packer game? I mean, there are so many fast, fascinating storylines about the game. But uh, let's start with the biggest one, what I call, quote, the decision. And uh, the decision, of course, is uh, Matt LaFleur's, in his infinite wisdom, to kick a field goal instead of going for a touchdown with the game on the line late in the uh, fourth quarter. And, Rob, uh, I, I know um uh, following your twitter feed you thought it was a pretty bad decision and i think uh, the rest of the uh, football world would tend to agree yeah this is in hindsight gary i mean even even in the moment he was trotting crosby out there i think i tweeted you know field goal question mark question mark question mark you know mm-hmm. wtf or something like yeah, that yeah. It was, um <laughs> It, it, it was an absolutely stunning decision, Gary. It, it still is. Um, it's going to define Matt LaFleur moving forward until he proves otherwise. Um, you know, Gary, I, I, I sent out a couple, you know, a handful of texts and emails to, you know, guys my age and older. Um, I, I probably should have sent one to you as well and just said, do you remember in, you know, guys who have, who have been in the state, Gary, you know, for 40, 50, 60 years, whatever. Sure. And, you know, and I and I just simply said, do you remember a coaching decision this poor of a decision at, at any point in your life? And 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 really, Gary, nobody could come back with anything about the only thing I could think of, Gary, was you know the fourth and twenty-six game where Mike Sherman had fourth and one, and it was even less than a yard. He had the NFL's leading running back in Amon Green, and he had one heck of an offensive line in, in that game in Philadelphia, and he chose to punt the ball. Uh, up three and of course Philly came back down and uh, you know Donovan McNabb hit Freddie Mitchell on fourth and 26 and they got the game tying field goal and eventually won the game in overtime Mike Sherman lost his football team Gary after that decision you know I I was covering the team then and Mm -hmm. and the lineman on that team um, he had promised them at halftime because they had a similar situation down on the goal line in the first half that he'd go for it and uh, he didn't and he lost his team that day in Philadelphia. You could argue Mike McCarthy lost his team in 2014, Gary, uh, in the NFC Championship game in Seattle. Uh, you know, similar things early on in that football game where they settled for three instead of going for touchdowns. Uh, strange coaching decisions later on. Um, you know, everybody points to Brandon Bostic, but Mike McCarthy was certainly at fault for a big part of that game. Um, there were guys that told me they were never the same after that 2014 NFC title game. And Gary, I'm fascinated to see if it'll be the same thing here in 2020 uh, coming off, as you said, the decision. Let, let's start with this, Gary. I always look at these things as risk versus reward, okay? 
Sure. The, if, if you're Green Bay with fourth and goal at the eight, down eight, two minutes to go, 209, whatever the exact number was, mm-hmm. the reward is immense, right? You have the football in the three-time MVP's hands. On the other side, Gary, is the GOAT, right? It's the greatest football player in the history of the league. Why would you even contemplate um, – you know, asking your defense to try to get a stop against him to get the ball back and then score a touchdown to potentially win the game when you have Aaron frickin' Rodgers on your side. Gary, if you do fail on fourth and goal from the eight, they're starting at the eight-yard line. Mm -hmm. So, again, the risk is minimal. They are pinned deep inside their own territory. Same clock situation. You actually lost some time, Gary, on the kickoff. Um, you lost field percentage or, or field uh, position. You lost about 11 yards, Gary, when you chose to kick it off to, to Tampa Bay and the kid ran it back. Um, and then again, you're asking Kevin King and his friends to come up with a stop against Tom Brady. Good luck with that, with the game on the line. Cause you know, Gary, Gary, that, you know, Tom Brady's never done anything in clutch moments. Right. Um, <laughs> you know, if, oh. if, if Jerry West had, hadn't already been called Mr. Clutch, that, that, that moniker would have went to Tom Brady, but uh, no, yeah, doubt. go ahead. No doubt. So Gary, everything about that decision uh, was wrong. And, and, and even the analytics didn't fully support it, Gary. They, they, they claimed it was close in terms of your percentage. But Gary, the New York Times had a stat yesterday that some, uh, uh, you know, anybody down eight late in the game like that, there's only been, you know, 20 times or something like that in the last 20 years it's been done. And Gary, nobody had done it. Nobody had done it, Gary, with less than three minutes to go. So, um, you know, there's a time and a place in my mind for analytics. When you've got Aaron Rodgers and an NFC championship game on the line and the other side has Tom Brady and you face the prospect of having to stop him to get the football back and potentially win the game you throw analytics out the window and you just revert to common sense there was no common sense involved in that decision that was the biggest moment the biggest stage of Matt LaFleur's coaching career and Gary he flat out wet the bed I mean he fumbled he choked and um, everything about it was wrong you and I we will be having discussions about that decision when we are 80 years old and there is no way to justify it um, I don't care what it, some analytics nerd says if the numbers were close or whatever. With two minutes left in the football game, you don't ask your defense to stop Tom Brady. And then, Gary, even philosophically, if you do, you're probably looking at no better than getting the ball at about your own 25 or 30 mm-hmm. with no with no timeouts left. And maybe best-case scenario, a minute, a minute 10, give or take, something in that range. So – Everything about that, Gary, stunk from a Packer fan perspective. Everything about it was wrong. And Matt LaFleur is going to have to wear that on his Packer sweater now for a long, long time. I know Matt LaFleur has been in Green Bay for uh, two years, but welcome to Green Bay, Matt. (laughs) (laughs) You got it, Gary. You got it. You you know what? I'm a pretty hardened guy. I'm, I'm pretty cynical. You know that. Other people know that. I know that. But I'll tell you what. I feel feel for the guy. I, I really do. And, um, you know, he, he's just done an absolute amazing job, you know, in his two years. I mean, you and I have discussed that, you know, ad nauseum. And uh, I, I think he's not only one of the best young coaches, I think he's one of the best coaches in football. And all of a sudden, just one moment kind of changes the per- 
perspective of him. And I, I really don't because I, I think he's going to have a long career and a highly set, successful career. But, you know, getting back to that, that decision, I agree with everything you said. And after he, they kicked the field goal, my first thought was, you know what, they're going to do an onside kick. And I agree with you totally. You do not want to give the ball back to Brady. Any other quarterback, you know, it's Trubisky, whomever, you know, fine, take your chances. But with Brady, as you said uh, quite well, um, you, you just can't do that. But I, I was looking for the onside kick, and uh, it didn't happen. And I go, man, oh, man, he is going to feel the heat for this. <laughs> oh, you're, you're spot on, Gary. And, and I feel bad for the guy, too too but you know as the late great ted thompson would often say it's a big boy league right put on your absolutely, big boy pants absolutely and go to work and um you know everybody around this state and every packer fan across the country has patted matt lafleur on the back now for the better part of two straight years as he as he started his career gary 28 and 7 and 800 winning percentage prior to the nfc championship game one back-to-back uh divisional titles got the team to the NFC championship game back-to-back years. But these are the moments that define legacies. I mean, these are the moments that history remembers, right? Nobody remembers, for example, that Marty Schottenheimer was this wonderful regular season coach, right? They remember what his teams did in the playoffs and, and the handful of times they choked away number one seeds. Um, That that's just how this league works. Uh, A random Sunday uh, in September when the lions come to town, Gary, we wouldn't be talking about this for very long, right? We, we'd yeah, forget about yeah. this. By yeah, you move on, right. This, this will be discussed for 20, 30, 40 years. I mean, the rest of this, this will be in books. I mean, this will be a chapter in Packer lore. Um, it took so much uh, for this team, obviously, to get to this stage. I don't think anybody in September thought Green Bay was, was headed back to a conference championship game. They haven't had one in their own building in 13 years. They had rallied back from 18 points down you know, made it a one score game. And again, there's just no way to, to justify it. Even Matt LaFleur after the game had a hard time explaining it away. He himself said he had a bad day at the office coaching this football team. I mean, NFC championship games against teams as good as Tampa Bay are are not the times to have a bad day at the office. The other thing that was really interesting to me, Gary is, you know, Rogers called that play on third down and certainly seemed confused that he didn't have a chance then on fourth down to go ahead and try to jam it into the end zone. There, there were clear communication issues uh, once they got inside the 10 there between Lafleur and Rogers, because if Lafleur's mindset all along was to kick it, you think he would have conveyed that at some point in time to his quarterback. His quarterback was under the premise that he had four downs to go ahead and get this. You know, I don't, I don't know that that was a, you know, a spot decision all of a sudden, a, you know, a, a, a fly by the seat of your pants choice by Matt LaFleur to, to go ahead then all of a sudden and kick the field goal. But, but Rogers was confused and obviously frustrated. Um, you know, I found it interesting that LaFleur gave Rogers the freedom to make that call Gary on third down, because I, you know, I think if Rogers Gary honestly thought he was down um, really to that down to get the ball in the end zone before there was going to be a field goal, he runs the ball. Uh, on third down we, we we all have seen the video several times uh, you know I've, I've watched the game a few times already Gary he I, I don't know if he scores but he's inside the five he's probably mm-hmm. to the three or two on you know on that third down play where he tried to jam the ball into Adams 
you know, if he takes off running Gary and he, let's say, gets theoretically to the three, Matt LaFleur obviously is going to go for it on fourth down. You know, Rob, I I couldn't agree with you more. You you and I are very much aligned in that situation. And, you know, as badly as LaFleur was criticized, and probably rightfully so, for the decision, I think Rodgers is getting a free pass in his role of the decision. I mean, let's break it down. On first down, right there at the eight, he has a simple slant in to Lazard, okay? And, And like you said, there was miscommunication. How can you have miscommunication on, on a play that could ultimately decide your season? Don't you go to a go-to play in that situation? And, uh, you know, I, I swear to God, if Rogers threw that ball left-handed, he could complete the pass. But obviously, it was a botch to Simon Lazard. But at the same time, Rogers didn't make the adjustment. And I thought that should have been a touchdown right off the bat. It was five feet over his head, Gary. It was one of his worst throws of the day at one of the absolute yeah. most inopportune times for Aaron Rodgers to lose accuracy. Exactly. Then on second down, uh, he, he tries to hit Adams in the back of the end zone. And that could have been Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, you know? That that ball was airmailed. I mean, that, that had to be, what, two feet over his head? And w- when you go back and look at it, Adams had his man beat. If Rogers throws that ball on the money, it's a touchdown. And uh, so there's, there's two play. I, I, I just thought it was a bad throw. And then like you alluded to on third down, you know, when he, when he moved out of the pocket and, and started heading to the uh, line of scrimmage, I thought we were going to have John Elway, the second, <laughs> remember the helicopter. Absolutely. I th- and, and I we're thought- going to have Daryl Bevel in the Rose Bowl, Gary. Um, it, 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 it was the perfect time for him to take off and, and run again. Exactly. I think probably 50, 50 Gary scores. And at worst, he's probably to the two or three yard line. Yeah. And, and, and I looked at the film again, I forgot who the receiver was, but he was cutting towards the goalpost. He had two defenders on him and Rogers was running to his right to the corner of the end zone. I, I totally agree. If he doesn't get in, he's going to be awfully close. And I thought for him to stop, and throw that ball across his body into tight coverage. I mean, there are two guys draped all over Adams. I, I thought that was just a horrendous decision. So, uh, yeah, no, I mean, you, you know, people can blame LaFleur Le, for the decision, but I'll tell you what, Rod, Rogers had his hand in it as well. Gary, I was texting back and forth with the scout yesterday, and, and, and the general premise of what he texted me coming back was, some of these guys have a, a clutch gene in essence and Aaron Rodgers doesn't. That was his belief. And, and you're spot on Gary, he's getting a free pass and he doesn't, doesn't deserve one. Aaron Rodgers in that game was two of nine passing the ball in the red zone. Wow. Seven of those wow. throws Gary were at Devonte Adams, seven of the nine inside the red zone. I mean, are you telling me Tampa Bay and Todd Bowles doesn't know where the ball is going? Yeah. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers completed one of those seven passes to Devontae Adams. It was the quick in route for the touchdown from the two-yard line. His other six throws to, to Adams inside the, the 20, Gary, fell incomplete. And, and there were guys running around free, like you mentioned there. I mean, he obviously hit Tunyon on the one touchdown. There were other plays when, you know, when, when he's got his eyes locked on Adams where guys are, guys are running free. 
Gary, his relationship with Adams had gotten to the point or has gotten to the point where, you know, at certain times in these games now, Rodgers is almost a one-read quarterback. He's just – he's staring down Devontae Adams wherever Adams is going to go. And and obviously somebody as smart as Todd Bowles, the coordinator and the defensive coordinator in Tampa Bay and, and the whole Buccaneers defense knows that and, and took Devontae Adams away. So Aaron Rodgers deserves a huge, a huge part of the blame on this game. I know a lot of people out there are saying, well, he outplayed Tom Brady and, and this and that, and, and, and he probably did. There's a few things in this game. Let's look at real quick from Rogers side of things, Gary, where, where it's tough to make the case that, you know, he himself played well enough to win the football game. His interception right before halftime was a killer. Now I know Kevin King is, is going to wear the gold horns, gold horns for that. And Mike Pettin, uh for what happened just after that. But but, you know, Green Bay's within 14-10, Gary. They have the ball inside of two minutes there, inside the last minute. Um, and they're going to get the ball to start the second half, right? This, right. Is, what, this is what the Packers love. It's, you know, this, this, this back-to-back situation where they close out a half with the ball, they start the next half with the ball. It's where so many times in these games they take things over. So it's, it's, uh, it's aligned perfectly for what they've drawn up all week. Hang around, be close close the half strong, start the next half strong. You're in control of the football game. Well, this time Rogers throws the interception, you know, whether or not there was a flag, a flag was warranted. We, we could argue all day on, you know, on, on, on the defender versus Lazard. Bottom line is it's a pick. Brady comes back a couple plays later. Scotty Miller gets behind Kevin King. It's 21, 10 at halftime, Gary. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously the Aaron Jones fumbled to start the second half makes it 28, 10. Now, Tom Brady, for some, you know, unexplainable reason, Gary, starts throwing the ball to the wrong team three times (laughs) in a row. First time, kudos to Aaron Rodgers. They go down and score, right? Pull within 28-23 at that point in time um, after Brady's first interception. But, Gary, the next two times where Brady is picked, the Packers go three and out. Aaron Rodgers goes three and out where they needed him to be clutched there, you know, late third, early fourth quarter when – Brady was throwing the ball to Jair Alexander. And I mean, you couldn't ask more for the pet from the Packer defense, right? Gary, three, three three picks in the second half against the greatest quarterback in the history of the league. I mean, come on, give me a break. Who saw that coming? And, and Rogers on two of those three, they go three and out Gary. That's not good enough. You, you know, you need your MVP to be better there. You needed your MVP to be better in the red zone. um, And you needed your MVP to be better when you had first and goal at the eight with the game on the line. So yes, Matt LaFleur deserves a ton of blame on this. Kevin King does. Mike Pettin does. I mean, I, hey, when you lose an NFC championship game, right, there's a big pie and, and you can cut it in a lot of ways and, and hand out blame. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Aaron Rodgers put him right there near the top of the list, Gary. You know, it's his fifth trip to an NFC title game. He's now one in four. Uh, like I said, some people just don't think he has the clutch gene I'm one of them, Gary. I don't think he has it. And right now that's going to be his legacy. The, the, those are the moments that separate the legends from the very good players, the great players. You know, it's, it's like he runs in for the touchdown or he completes one of those passes. His legacy just skyrockets again, you know, uh, but, but it didn't happen. Um, you, you brought up a really good point, though, out how he's been locked into Adams. And uh, it goes back to draft day. I, I'm sorry. You had a chance to get a receiver. There were a ton of good receivers. 
and they decided to go a different direction. And I thought, okay, that's well and good, but then go out and get a number two, somebody that you can absolutely depend on. And they didn't do it. And Gary, we talked on the podcast all year, didn't we? Is yes. this going to come back and bite in the backside at some point in time, right? Yeah. Um, it didn't have to though. That that's the thing. I mean, the, the, the quarterback himself can be childish at times, can be stubborn, can be petulant and he can, he can fall into these traps, right? Where it's, it's, I'm going to show you. And at times this year, I felt he was that way, you know, with Adams and he was just going to keep forcing and forcing and forcing the ball to Devante almost to make the point that, Hey, you guys didn't get me enough help, right? MBS isn't good enough. Lazard's not good enough. Now, now Tunyon obviously had 11 touchdowns and, and he found him from time to time. And Tunyon had three on one of the games where Devante was out, but, but Gary in, in that game on Sunday, he, he clearly didn't trust those other guys enough. And there were times MBS was running free. Tunyon was running free. He had his backs free. Um, you know, Jones early and and then later on Williams and he just he locks in he's laser focused on on Devontae Adams and um, it's it's a tough way to do business when you're going against defenses as good as Tampa Bay's that can take a guy like Adams away either with single coverage like they did at times with Carlton Davis who's an outstanding corner or they can bracket him you know if after the game too Gary when Aaron Rodgers Again, he, he had his passive-aggressive comments, kind of cryptic about his future. Um, those things bother me quite a bit, Gary. You know, if, if he's 37, year old, 37 years old right now. He, he, he's the most important employee by a mile inside this corporation, isn't he? And that's what this is. It's a corporation. It's not just a football team. Yeah, um, no, no I, he I agree. About future. He starts talking about his future, Gary, completely unprovoked. I mean... There was no question from the media in terms of what about what are you going to do next year? What's you know are, are you are you looking to be traded? What, you know what does your future entail, et cetera, et cetera. He's the one who brought it up, talking about how the team's going to look different next year, the future of certain guys, himself included, and and then your head coach has to come in and clean up that dumpster fire uh, in, in in the next Zoom call. And, uh, and, and Gary, I, I was talking to somebody yesterday, uh, again, uh, another scout in the league who just said, that is the absolute last thing in the world you expect from, you know, your number one employee at any corporation, at any company anywhere, right? Is, yeah. is your top employee to leave these kind of fires for somebody else to put out time and time again. And, and Aaron Rodgers, his history, Gary, of being cryptic with comments, passive aggressive, um, it, it leads to this kind of discussion now for, for the next number of weeks, maybe a month, heading into the new year of, 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 of the NFL season. Um, there's going to be nonstop speculation, and, and it didn't have to be this way. Rodgers is the one who heaped this kind of on the organization and heaped it on himself. We'll see where it goes from here, Gary. But, but again, I, I, I don't have a lot of patience for that. I, I think it's childish. If there's something you want, you're 37 years old already, man. You know, stand up, be a man, tell people what you want. If you want out of town, that's fine. That's all well and good. I get it. They drafted your replacement. You're not happy about it. But to play these little childish games, Gary, like he plays time and time again, I, I don't know. I, I just don't have a lot of tolerance for it. Being around uh, pro athletes in various sports, is, it seems like 
all these guys are divas. No matter what the situation, they want to bring attention to themselves. And uh, like you said, it was totally unsolicited. Nobody brought it up. And it was like, okay, the game's over. Nobody cares anymore. Let's talk about my future. And I'm sure he was emotional. But again, he's 37 years old. He's been in countless press conferences. He knew what he was doing. And, uh, you know, I, I thought we had <laughs> seen all the melodrama with Brett Favre, but my goodness, th this has the makings of uh, being a re repeat performance. Well, it does. And, and Gary, you're exactly right there. You know, Rogers talks to the media every Wednesday and he's so unbelievably smart and he's unbelievably calculated Gary that yeah. typically week in and week out, he has a message he wants to convey and, and he fully understands you know, when, when he's got a dozen TV cameras and 40 print guys or whatever it is huddled around him, that is his forum to go ahead and get out a message, whether that's if the team is playing poorly to, to kind of kind of give him a kick in the butt or, or whatever it is during the course of the regular season. So, Gary, when he sat down at that camera for the Zoom call after, after the game uh, on Sunday, he knew exactly what he was doing. He mm -hmm. always has. Um, he, he knew it midweek when he said his, his future is a beautiful mystery. I think. Yeah. Was, what, what, what was that about? It, was, it was, was, yeah. It's the exact quote. I mean, he's kind of been dropping, you know, and, and a lot of the state media gush Gary and they say he's so poetic and, and this and that, I mean, he's, he, he plays these little games like that, that again, I just, I find kind of childish and, and annoying and, you know, and, and then he follows that up with, you know, the, the, a lot of guys, a lot of guys' futures are uncertain, myself included. Comment, yeah. You know, af after Sunday's game, where he opens Pandora's box and he makes everybody now think and wonder, what are you going to do this offseason, Aaron? Do you want out of town? Do you want them to move love? Do you want a new contract? Yada yada yada. Again, Gary, it's it's just these games that get a little bit tiring. We all got tired of Brett Favre's games. Um, you know, I, you know, my love for Favre, but that got to be unbelievable. Well, we know his love for you, Rob. Year in and year out. <laughs> Just brutal. Tractor watch and yeah. all this kind of stuff. Eventually, Ted Thompson threw up his hands and he said, enough. I'm going to find your replacement and, um, you know, we'll, we'll get him ready and, and we'll go from there. You know, and, I, you know I, I still believe the genesis of this whole Rogers situation started with last year's draft. No question. Uh, you know, something went on behind the scenes, and I guarantee you, the powers that be in Rogers had a heart-to-heart -heart chat. And and something was determined even back then, you know, about where he stands in this organization. And uh, I think Sunday was just the culmination of all the uh, things that took place over the season. Gary, when the cameras went to Matt LaFleur last year after the Jordan Love pick, you his smile was so wide. Um, it, it, it felt like my kids on Christmas morning, right? It, 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 it felt like he had just won the lottery. And I go back to that. I hearken back to that a lot. Just, just how telling, you know, those five seconds were when, when the ESPN cameras picked him up, uh, just downright giddy. And, and it really, you know, th these guys have stood in front of cameras and now zoom calls in this strange year and time and time and time again, Lafleur said he loves Rogers, and Rogers has said he loves Lafleur. And you know, I don't know whatever this relationship truthfully is. We probably find out, you know, ten or twenty years down the road when one of these guys writes a book, Gary. 
um, about exactly the behind I the scenes. I think that somebody but, should but I really do, got Rob. In that moment, <laughs> Gary, that, you know, Matt LaFleur just want, wanted his own guy. That, the, you know, the, the, this, this was a quarterback kind of just set in his own way and changed a lot of plays at the line of scrimmage and maybe was reluctant to A, B, C, and D. And, and I know things went much better this year in terms of how the offense clicked and how it seemed these two got along. But at the core of it, Gary, I think you're right. Um, I think deep down, LaFleur wants his own guy. I have no question Brian Gutekunst wanted his own guy. Every great GM is identified at some point in time with the quarterback they found, right? I mean, if it's if it's Wolf finding Favre, um, if it's Ted Thompson finding Aaron Rodgers, Brian Gutekunst wants to be in that same discussion someday as maybe the guy who found Jordan Love if they have another decade now of, of winning. Um, so, yes, I'm with you 100% that – when, when they went ahead last April and and, and took Jordan Love, it, it, it was it, now Aaron Rodgers played the good soldier all year. I give him a lot of credit yes, for that. He, yes, he, um, he did. He threw, you know, he threw that offense on his back. He didn't whine, complain, and and take the low road. He took the high road all year. But you wonder if he, you know, he, he was doing that, thinking to himself, "I'm going to do this for one year. I'm going to work by by February. I'm going to work my way to Indianapolis to." you know, New England to wherever it is, he turns out, you know, that, that he might want to go. Um, Gary, you mentioned the word diva. The league has changed immensely in the last handful of years. Um, these guys used to be locked into contracts pretty hard. And, and a lot of these superstars now, a lot of these guys that want out of town are finding a way to get out of town. I mean, a couple of years ago, Jalen Ramsey, the great corner from Jacksonville worked his way out of town there. And, and, and wound up with, with the Rams. You're seeing it right now with Deshaun Watson in Houston. Um, it doesn't sound like there's a whole lot of resolution coming there, and, and he's going to work his way. This is a 25-year-old franchise quarterback. He's going to work his way out of Houston somewhere, Gary. And if Aaron Rodgers wants to bad enough, Gary, there, there's enough ways, there's enough paths that he can find a way out of Green Bay, and, and the Packers are going to have to flip him then eventually for whatever they can get for him heading into 2021. I don't think as we sat here last week, Gary, there was any talk or any thought or any conversation about that potentially being Aaron Rodgers last game, but now all of a sudden that's where we're at. Yeah. I, I have nothing to base this on. It's just a mere, mere gut feeling, but in the middle of the season, I actually gave thought to Rodgers retiring and I, you know, he's talking about playing into his forties and, but during the course of the year, he just made some comments that, that really struck me. And, uh, the, you know, he got really ph philosophical, like he said, about the mystery of his life and so forth. And I would say the odds are totally against him retiring. I'll tell you what, <laughs> I'm not absolutely convinced. Uh, he, he, he's his own man. I, I don't think there's any question about that. And if he feels he has nothing to prove, he feels like, hey, his body's taken enough. That's it. Gary, what I don't think he's going to come uh, – no, uh, number one, I don't think he's going to retire. Um, I, I, but I, I don't, don't either, but I, I, it's, yeah. it, it's I, in the back of my mind that it could happen. Gary, Gary but I'm pretty sure he's not going to come back to Green Bay in 2021 as mm -hmm. a lame duck quarterback, and that's what he would be. Um, we've talked about this time and time again on the show. Um he, he, the way his contract right now is structured, he, he, in essence, has one year left with the Packers. They, they cannot 
move on from him and cut him, let's say, or even the trade implications would be really difficult from a salary standpoint. It, it's going to blow up their cap. The mm-hmm. hit they would take to move on this offseason from Aaron Rodgers would be immense. They can do it a year from now, Gary, and and and, and absolutely uh, be able to handle the hit they would take salary cap wise, and then turn things over to Jordan Love for the what would that be? The 2022 season it would be Love's third year in town. So next year, Gary, I mean, everybody would kind of know going into it, you know, much like a coach in the final year of his contract, that Rodgers would come back almost a lame duck quarterback. Gary, I don't think he wants to do that whatsoever. So that's why I mentioned, you know, I don't know if he wants them to redo that contract in some way, shape or form. I don't know if he wants to work his way out of town with what those comments were the other day. Again, I, I don't think anybody in the organization uh, in, in terms of the higher-ups, the Gutekunst, the Matt LaFleurs, the Mark Murphys, the Russ Balls, were, were thinking somebody else other than Aaron Rodgers was going to be the quarterback in 2021 mm-hmm. until Rodgers himself brought it up the other day, Gary. And, and again, only Rodgers deep down knows what he's, what he's kind of angling for here. Those are just my theories on, on what might be happening there with Aaron Rodgers. But um, again, I don't think he's going to come back, Gary, under the current situation where everybody knows he's a lame duck quarterback. He wants something to happen between now and then. Yeah. Maybe draft a wide receiver. <laughs> that, that, that would be nice. Say, <laughs> so, yeah, we, we, we could keep talking and talking about uh, the Sunday's game, which by the way, was the highest rated TV show since the Super Bowl last year. Did you see that? I did not, but I think we all kind of knew that would yeah, that, that, that was going to be the case. Yeah, we, we, I, I think Football America, Gary, has waited 15 years for this matchup, right? And and they got it, Brady versus Rogers, and um, it didn't disappoint. I mean, no, not at all. This, it was this, very this good. People, this will give people plenty to talk about until next season starts, good and bad, and uh, mostly from a Packer perspective, bad, but. Um, we've been waiting for that matchup forever, right? Brady and Rogers in, in the playoffs. We always thought it would be the Super Bowl. And um, I'll tell you what, how about that Tom Brady, right? One year in this conference and he has as many trips to the Super Bowl as a member of the NFC as Aaron Rogers. This, the guy just, the guy just finds a way to win those kind of games. You right? are and, a tough man. You know, <laughs> isn't, isn't that the Mark though, Gary of, of just an all time great player. You might not be at your best on a given day on a certain day and you just find a way to win. That's always been Brady's mantra and he's 33 and 11 now in the playoffs. He wasn't, he was very, very good in the first half. Got him up to that big lead, hit Miller on the touchdown right before half. Um, took advantage of the Aaron Jones fumble early in the third quarter to go up 18, but was pretty lousy then the rest of the day, Gary, until crunch time, right? Where he had to get a first down or two to keep, uh, to keep Rogers from getting the ball back. And and sure enough, what does he do? Right. He converts to first down. So um, I'm just telling you that was greatness at Lambeau field the other day with Tom Brady. It wasn't his best day, but it's the greatest player in the history of the game. I I felt fortunate to watch him. Um, Aaron Rodgers just couldn't match him. Yeah, you, you know what? Uh, you you and I are certainly on the same page when you talk about the goat. I, I don't think there's any question, none. But it just boggled my mind. All the people in the media, and particularly the state media, that keeps insisting that it's Rogers. And it's like you, you just can't ignore what this guy Brady has done in the big games. I mean, I don't care what kind of stats 
Rogers puts up, you know, during the regular season, all accounts is rings. I mean, you got to be Michael Jordan, you know? Gary, I think it now transcends all sports. You know, I, I thought he had football locked down easily as the greatest player in the history of that sport, you know, well before that NFC championship sure, game on, on sure. Sunday. I think now we're starting to talk, you know, throw any sport you want in there, you know, line him up with Jordan or LeBron, what, what, whichever one you want to take out of that league, right? Line him up with Babe Ruth and Hank Aaron or Willie Mays or whatever major league baseball player you, you want to take. I, Hey, I, I would vote Tom Brady any day of the week because what he's done, Gary, in a sport that levels the playing field for everybody every single off season, right? Salary mm-hmm. caps, um, you know, the inverse uh, order that you draft in. If you win a Super Bowl, you're 32nd in every single round. This isn't the New York Yankees, right, who want to spend $300 million versus the Kansas City Royals who can spend $80 million or something like that. It's not big market, small market. This sport is so level. I mean, I think the dream of this league at times, Gary, is to get everybody at eight and eight. And, uh, and Tom Brady has defied that in every way, shape, or form in, in, a, in a free agency world, in a salary cap world uh, that, that he has played in. Now to be in Super Bowl 10, that was conference championship game number 14. It was playoff win number 33. I mean, Gary, he's got everybody else in the history of the sport doubled in all those categories. He has yeah. as many postseason wins is all but four franchises. So that was the best player in the history of the sport that trotted into Lambeau Field on Sunday and left as the victor again, Gary. No surprise to me. Yeah, yeah. you know what I really admire about Brady, especially at at this stage in his career, is his love, his passion for the game. I mean, if you saw him, you know, after Sunday's game, the, the jubilance on his face, I mean, it meant a lot to him. And this is a guy, let, let's face it, he could have quit five years ago and still been regarded as one of the greatest players ever. You know, I, I'm curious to see how long he plays. I mean, you know, it's a given he's coming back next year, but if, if he can stay healthy, who knows? Gary, you look around the rest of the NFC and, and then you look at the AFC and the great young quarterbacks to me, Gary, are in the other conference. Mahomes is on the other side. Josh Allen is on the other side, right? Um, You know, some of these young studs like like the the, the Joe Burrows, who I think was going to turn into a – the Deshaun Watsons, at least for now, are on the other side. Who are the great quarterbacks in the NFC, Um, right? It's Rodgers and it's Russell Wilson. And and Russell, I think, is 33 and Rodgers is 37, right? Mm -hmm. So so now Brady's got guys kind of more in his stratosphere – you know, age-wise, I'm sure that played a big role in, in why he picked Tampa Bay and to come into this conference. I'd throw Dak Prescott into that conversation, except for the fact, you know, he's coming off the injury. Kyler Murray's, you know, never even played in a playoff game yet, too early to, to anoint him. But, you know, Gary, you look around the rest of that NFC, right? right? Washington, who knows, right? Giants, who knows? Eagles, who knows? Bears, who knows? I mean, there's, there's a, lot of, a lot of mystery inside that league that, or inside the conference there where there's just not a lot of great quarterbacks. My point with that is Tom Brady might, might have a three or four year run here where Tampa, Tampa represents the conference, you know, two or three more times inside the Super Bowl. That's a heck of a roster. Uh, that defense is outstanding. They obviously surrounded him with a ton of weapons. And on top of it, Gary, guys love to go and play with Tom Brady. No question. I mean, there's a reason Leonard no Fournette question. signed there. There's a reason yeah. Antonio Brown signed there. And, and uh, you don't see that as much with Rodgers. You, 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 
Do you think Gronkowski would have played anywhere else except for right. Brady? Great yeah. point. All of a sudden, a guy unretires, right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I know. To, to your point, Gary, who knows how long he plays? Um, I think he's got two or three years left in him, the way he looked the other day. There were a couple of I – know I know he got picked a few times late. There were a few times early in that game, Gary, where he just was throwing darts around yes, Lambeau yes, Field. Yes, I mean, he he's, he's still got juice on that football. And if they protect him and uh, he doesn't get hit, uh, th- this might not be his only Super Bowl in Tampa Bay is my point. He, he might play in two or three, and it was bad news for Rodgers and Russell Wilson and, and Drew Brees <laughs> yes. and some of these guys when Tom Brady came into the conference. Well, we had uh, Brady and Rodgers last Sunday, and uh, a, a week from Sunday we're going to have Brady and Mahomes, the GOAT, against a guy who could someday maybe rival him for that title of being the GOAT and Patrick Mahomes. and. Uh, Rob, I just want to spend a couple minutes on this. We'll, we'll talk about it more next week. But, but the Super Bowl, the uh, Chiefs have been installed as three-point favorites, and I can c- certainly see why. But, man, I'll tell you what, Tampa Bay is peaking at the right time. Your thoughts? My thoughts are, you know, ten. I, I always turn things back to a Packers storyline, Gary. I think that's the easy thing to do in this sure. state. Kansas City – in 2020 and 2021 where we are right now is exactly in the same situation. The Packers were a decade ago, young up and coming superstar quarterback already being discussed, you know, among the all time greats has a ring going back to super bowl to uh, his second super bowl for, for Patrick Mahomes, obviously Kansas city Gary is taking advantage of this wealth of young talent that is around Mahomes, the fact that Mahomes is the big, big, big money on Mahomes' contract will not kick in until 2022. Um, so they've been able to pay their defensive studs. They've been able to surround him with the Kelseys, the Hills, the Watkins, the Hardmans of the world, and the inside this passing game, just this plethora of weapons. And the Chiefs, Gary, have taken full advantage of that situation it's 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 uh, you know it, it's kudos to them green bay had the same opportunity gary a decade ago win the super bowl in 2010 you're bringing back all your young stars right rogers jordy greg jennings clay matthews i mean across the board everybody on green bay that mattered seemed to be 27 or younger uh great young offensive line Packers go 15 and one the next year, Gary, and, and can't finish it off in 20 in the, in the playoffs in 2011, lose the home game to the giants. And they haven't been back to a super bowl since then, you know, mm-hmm. green Bay, Gary kind of wasted that window of, of remarkable young talent and a quarterback in his prime who wasn't killing him against the salary cap and, and the chiefs on the flip side have taken full advantage. And now Kansas city, Gary is in a position um, like you said, where Mahomes um, and things line up where he, he could be the guy who challenges Brady as the goat. That ship has sailed on Rogers. That window is closed. You can't be one and four in a conference championship. Game. No, no, no nobody's in their right mind. And have, and have anybody tell me he's, he's the goat. Give me a yeah. break. I don't care what you, I don't, you know, I, I don't care what you do against the Titans in December. It's irrelevant. And uh, that window closed on Rogers. That window is open on the chiefs. Gary, and, and, and honestly, I don't think that three points is enough. I think Kansas City is two scores better than everybody in the league. Wow, Jimmy the Greek Reichel. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> hey, uh, 
I want to just I hope my moment. career doesn't end like Jimmy the Greek someday, Gary. There you go. There you go. Hey, uh, <laughs> Rob, I want to just take a moment to uh, make two acknowledgments. Uh, the first one is to the late uh, Packers GM, Ted Thompson, who obviously was a very good man who did a lot of really good things in Green Bay and who played a key role in the uh, construction of this current team. Uh, but to get an idea of what kind of guy Thompson was, uh, I got a text last week from a scout who knew Ted pretty well for a long time. And uh, this was his quote, and I, I think it speaks volumes uh, about the respect his peers had for him. The quote goes, it's hard to be universal, universally liked in our business, but that was TT, end of quote. I, I think that sums it up perfectly. Oh, I, I agree. He he was certainly well liked. He was an enigma, Gary. He 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 didn't uh you know he was a he was a complete and total introvert. He he much he would yes. much rather lock himself in a film room and 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 watch tape all day of Syracuse against Boston College and um, Oregon against Oregon State or something like that, rather than have a five minute discussion with anybody. He was he, he, he was a little bit odd. He was a little bit unique. But as everybody said last week, uh, time and time again, his number one priority was always the Green Bay Packers. The team came before individuals. Everything he did came with, you know, the idea of, of what puts the Packers first, what, what helps shape and make the Green Bay Packers a potential championship team. Gary, he inherited a mess when he walked in in, in January of 05. I mean, the, the roster Mike Sherman had put together was aging. They had all sorts of salary cap issues. They were trending in the wrong direction. Um, that first year was rough with, with Sherman and Thompson. It was a 4-12 and 12 season. And, and Mike Sherman would have never been able to bail the Packers out of that mess. Ted Thompson did. By 07, Gary, they were in an NFC championship game. And by 2010, they won the Super Bowl. You know, back to NFC Championship games again down the road, right? In 14, 16, 19, and 20. And even those last two years, Gary, in 19 and 20, when Ted was no longer the general manager, his guys were running all over the field. You saw all sorts of Ted Thompson picks running across Lambeau Field on Sunday afternoon. Um, the number one complaint, obviously, from the fan base all along, Gary, was that he just wasn't aggressive enough in free agency. Mm -hmm. Um the, the point I would always make to those people, Gary, and, and, and they weren't wrong, but Ted drafted so remarkably well, Gary, and he believed in that, you know, draft and, and then give your guys that second contract, sure. um, draft and develop, keep your own guys in house mentality that on most given years, Gary, uh, you know, let, let, let's take this year, for example, in free agency, you know, the Packers have all these terrific young players coming up. A number of those were Ted Thompson picks right Bakhtiari already signed Kenny Clark already signed Aaron Jones was a was a Ted Thompson pick Kevin King was a Ted Thompson pick Corey Lindsley was a Ted Thompson pick right so if you do sign your own Gary that in essence is your free agency um, and that's what the Packers had so many various years because Ted drafted so incredibly well now there were years he probably could have done a little bit more and filled in some blanks and and given him a better chance but Gary I'll argue I'll argue with anybody, the roster he put together in 2011 and the roster he put together in 2014 should have won Super Bowls and they should have had three and five years um, in that 20 to 2014 window. And I don't put that on Ted Thompson at all. I put that on the quarterback. I put that on the coaching staff. 
And um, there, there were failures along the way, Gary, but I don't think they were Ted Thompson failures. So I, I think he was an incredibly underappreciated man uh, in this area, in this state. And he, he was terrific at what he did. I don't think he's a pro football hall of fame guy, Gary, but I think I, he's undoubtedly a Packer hall of famer and he's going to be missed immensely. Yeah, absolutely. And then the other uh, acknowledgement I wanted to make was to the NFL. And I think they deserve major props. Uh, what Roger Goodell and, and his crew did this season to work through an incredibly adverse condition with a you know, COVID pandemic is nothing short of remarkable. I mean, just look at the NBA right now and train wreck it is because of the uh, COVID. But uh, the NFL has taken some hits over the years, but uh, on this matter, they, they deserve some major props and navigating through this COVID malaise to give millions of football fans, including yours truly, a badly needed diversion you know, from the world's problems was a godsend. I mean, what they did was just fantastic. Gary, I remember when you and I talked last summer and, and you broached the idea of doing this podcast. And I said, I said, come on, Gary, are we going to really have a season? You know, I mean, we, we kind of chuckled. There you go. Time. What they, what they have done from the time players showed up again in July to today is, is borderline miraculous, right? And yeah. I mean, that the testing is, Testing has been off the charts. I give, you know, not just the NFL, Gary. How about these players? You know, 23, 24, 25-year-old guys. Good point. With, 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 you know, all this money in their pocket all of a sudden that they have ne never seen, certainly not used to. You know, uh, the average player in an average year, Gary, is running around with that money, uh, spending it, maybe getting into some trouble, doing some things maybe that, that they shouldn't. These guys, for the most part, Gary, have, have absolutely stayed home, stayed out of trouble. Um, you know, they, they have put team before self, and that, and that is so in, imperative and important for any championship-type uh, team and organization. And it really was imperative this year for anybody to just play. You know, all these coaching staffs across the league clearly conveyed the message to these guys that one slip up and everybody inside that locker room has a chance to be doomed. And you could see a given a given Sunday like you did in Denver, right, where you've got a practice squad wide receiver playing quarterback. And you didn't have that very much, Gary. These guys were remarkably well-behaved, disciplined. Uh, the, the league did its due diligence to – to, to test these guys so regularly to keep people apart inside buildings and everybody bought in. So here we are one game from the finish line. It, it's absolutely re remarkable that, that I think we hit this point with really Gary as few hiccups as we did. There were games moved mm -hmm. from a, you know, whatever, a, a Sunday to a Tuesday or a Thursday to a Sunday along the way, big deal. Those are small prices to pay to, to get in the, to get in the season. And, um, yeah, Gary, I, I'm with you. Everybody deserves a ton of praise for what's happened. Rob, uh, we, we got the two-minute warning here, and, and when we get the two-minute warning, it means it's time for our parting shots. Should we flip a coin, or, or are you volunteering? Or Well, you know, Gary, my parting shot, and, and, and I'll start, is, is it kind of goes back a little to obviously what we addressed at the start of the show. Matt LaFleur seems like a really good guy. Nobody knows Matt LaFleur, you know, what he's like outside the building other than his, his family and those close to him. But everybody 
everybody heaps so much praise and gushes on him in terms of what type of guy he is. And, you know, a Midwest guy raised in a football family and all that kind of stuff. Everything he had touched Gary in his first two years turned to gold 28 and seven, like we touched on, um, took two took teams back-to-back seasons to NFC championship games, I think exceeded all expectations. Uh, Gary, he was inheriting a roster that had gone 13, 18 and one in, uh, you know, in the 2017 and 2018 seasons combined. And he doubled the win total here in 2019 slash 20. Um, so you feel bad for him in terms of what happened on Sunday, Gary, in terms of, like you said, the decision, him making, you know, arguably one of the worst decisions and calls in state history. And, and I'm going to be fascinated, Gary, where he goes from here. Mm-hmm. The, the two major times that, like I outlined earlier, that this has happened before, the 3 NFC Championship game, Mike Sherman lost his football team after that because he lost his cojones to go for it on fourth and one. Uh, deep inside Philadelphia territory or at the 40 and they wound up punting and that game went to overtime and the Packers lost Mike McCarthy lost a big chunk of his football team in in 2014 um, when he lost his nerve at times on the goal line down there against Seattle and he had he had screamed all week they were going to be the more aggressive and they were going to take the fight to Seattle that particular day Mm -hmm. where Matt LaFleur goes from here to me Gary is going to be fascinating my final take here is he will have better results than Mike Sherman and Mike McCarthy did. Sherman was five years into his reign. Mike McCarthy was what? Nine years into his tenure as the Packer coach. Matt LaFleur is only on year two going into year three. My final take is Gary, that I think he's going to learn a valuable lesson from what happened. He will return a better coach. My guess is he doesn't lose this football team. He might lose the quarterback, Gary. The quarterback bailed on him Sunday in the postgame stuff. And, and re, you know, he said it wasn't his decision. And he put all that on the head coach. But I don't think Matt LaFleur is going to lose this football team. And I think instead what's going to happen, Gary, is they're moving forward. They're going to still win a lot of football games. And the next time Matt LaFleur is back in a situation like this, he'll make the right call. Rob, outstanding. Couldn't agree with you more. Uh, it's going to be very interesting to see where Matt LaFleur goes in his coaching career, but, but I agree with your points. Yeah, good parting shot. Mine is uh, from the Rob, it's never too soon to make a prediction department. <laughs> I love it, and it's and, not. And, and my prediction is this. Are you sitting down? I am. <laughs> the Packers will be in the Super Bowl next season. Uh, I know the cynics and skeptics think the Packers are, are going to take a step backward next season, but I fully expect them to take a step forward with one caveat. If Rogers is still in a Packers uniform to me, the Packers overachieved somewhat. I expected them to be good, but not NFC championship game. Good, especially after being so stagnant, uh, last off season in the draft and free agency. And uh, you know what? It, it's inevitable. This team is going to take some free agent hits. Uh, they may lose uh, Corey Lindsley. They may lose Aaron Jones. They may lose Preston Smith. It, who, who knows? But uh, this team is more than enough, has more than enough high quality players to withstand those departures. Uh, just take the offense. They have four big time players back. If you include Rogers and you, and you got Adams and you got Bakhtiari and you got Jenkins 
And then he also got Robert Tanyan, who emerged as one of the game's best young tight ends this season, and Billy Turner, who was more than solid in, in entering uh, the prime of his career. And then you go to the defensive side, and the Packers have several high-end talents. I mean, Alexander was one of the best quarterback cornerbacks in the game, and he's only 23. And then you got Darnell Savage. He's a rising star, and he's just 24. And then you look at Rashawn Gary, who um, had a breakout season this year after being the Packers' top pick last season. He's only 23. Those are just three of uh, just three players that could have really special careers. I mean, so much in front of them. And the Packers have three other talented defense players. I, I can't believe I'm saying this, Rob, about the defense, which we've been maligning for a long time. But Kenny Clark is 25. Adrian Amos is 27. Sidarius Smith is 28. Um, the, the players I mentioned on offense and defense are all damn good players. By uh, adding a player or two in the draft, by adding perhaps a player in free agency, the Packers will not only be in the NFC title game next season, they will be in the Super Bowl. I love it, Gary, and it wouldn't shock me at all. All those spots you outlined where they're going to lose key guys, they have in-house replacements ready for, right? Dylan yeah, yeah no, I mean, I, I'm really optimistic about this team. It, I, it, it all starts hit, with number 12, you know? Yeah, you hit, the, you, hit the, you hit the nail, though, in terms of is 12 back or not. And, and you know, him playing that game the other night threw, threw that up in the air a little bit. We'll see where it goes. But, but Gary, if he is, you, you're right. I mean, A.J. Dillon could be a star. Um, Jenkins mm -hmm. will step in for Lindsley in all likelihood at center and they'll find a guard in the draft. Rashawn Gary steps in for Preston Smith when they release him and you don't miss a beat. You draft a young outside linebacker early then to take Gary's spot. The only spot I'd say Gary, they don't have an in-house replacement for is at Kevin King's cornerback spot. But then again, you might be able to play that spot better than King played it on Sunday, Gary. <laughs> Uh, you know what? I'm not going to be so harsh on him. You know, especially, you know what? He, he had a, a horrible game. No, there, there's no getting around that, but I'll tell you what, uh, on Friday, there were a lot of people out there that thought Kevin King wasn't even going to play. And, uh, you know, I'm not sure, you know, how much that injury affected him, his bad back, but again, he, he made some mental lapses and, uh, had, had a horrible game, but, but you're right. Who knows? Maybe they'll uh, end up taking a cornerback you know, with that first pick in the draft, but Rob, I, I can't believe we are done. Well, we're not, we're not going to be done, done yet. We're done with this. No, with no, today's no, podcast. no, we're, we're coming. There back. is still way too much in a football season for us to be done, done though, Gary, until July. Exactly. So, uh, you know, hopefully we'll have several more shows coming up. One in regard to the Super Bowl, And of course the draft and free agency. And uh, <clears throat> if they trade Aaron Rodgers. How <laughs> so? <laughs> yeah, we, we, we might have to do about a four-part deal if they trade Aaron Rodgers, Gary. Exactly. So, hey, Rob, thanks again. Uh, I really appreciate your time and your insights. Uh, you, know, you know how much I uh, cherish this hour or so with you. It's always a blast. And uh, thanks again to our listeners and all the best. For more sports news, check back every Tuesday for our latest show. You can also follow Gary on Twitter at GaryWoofle and WooflesPressBox.com.